Chapter 15, Charmers. Ashtrin guided Amory, Fryn, and Akliban into a room full of nothing but chairs. No two chairs were the same, but they were all old and worn. Some were too tattered to sit on, while others were completely broken. They formed circles, small and large, obstructing many of the rooms' outlets, telling tales of past discussions and solitary detentions. Amory sat down in a soft, rounded chair with armrests. He relaxed everything but his grip on the sibjulum jar. It felt like it had been eons since he had last felt comfort. Akliban took a seat in one of the distant corners on a tall, black, ominous-looking chair. Ashtorin did not sit. It simply stood in the middle of the room. While silently waiting, the boy pondered about the lack of indication of the passage of time in the Apocryphalum. There were no clocks, and there certainly was no flowing of day into night and the other way around. It was always the same. Dark. Perhaps one could gauge the moments that had gone by from the wear on the chairs or whatever else was repeatedly seen, but even then one might spend a lifetime sitting in one and not even know it. Amory noticed that his feet oddly hurt, but ignored the discomfort and fell half asleep, letting the unknown ages lapse by. Amory was awoken from his daze by the movement of something directly in his proximity. He opened his eyes to find the grayish-blue giant filling his vision. It shocked him a bit, but he looked up towards its head to try to catch some glimpse of awareness within its empty eye slits. Its dark perforations were staring straight ahead before it suddenly thrust its gaze down to meet the boys. Amory's eyes in its two openings aligned for an infinitesimal moment before the boy cringed fearfully back against the chair, stunned and disturbed. The boy saw a spirit imprisoned deep within the pit of the thing. He could see its desperation and hopelessness, but he could also see the power of the barrier containing it, the shell that scowled the world around it with its immense strength and presence. It scared Amory terribly, and also perplexed him. For there were two presences within that being, the housing, the shell, and the prisoner within. The boy collected himself, but remained in a stupor upon the chair. Ashtrin had begun trudging off to another location within the lair. This was their cue that the charmers were complete. Amory, hurry and follow him before we get left behind, Friend snapped. Amory shook his head, hopped to his feet, which continued to throb, and ran to catch up with the enormous sibjulum. The fessenger had already made his way in its direction. They followed Ashtrin to another room they had not yet seen. This room was austere. A veil of gloom, not darkness or mist, gathered from wall to wall and floor to ceiling. Sweet aromas wavered in inconsistent rushes, potently overwhelming and then quickly escaping to a scattered excess. In the center of the room a glow of pale, reddish-white light protruded mysteriously. Within this light was a circular table, atop which sat a small chest of intricate carvings. Behind the table, Janimer waited. The charmers are ready, yes, willing to submit to your ownership, the farm said. Wonderful, my friend, Fryn replied, but it was Amory whom the farm directed her words to. It was his heart that she knew would be touched by the card's tainting powers. How, might I ask, will you pay? Yes, recompense me for these exquisite items, Janimer asked, now turning her attention to the jar in the boy's hand. They are not but one of the most powerful relics within my capability, yes, means to create. 
Immediately, the farm removed the latch upon the chest on the table and opened its silently hinged lid. Oceans of sensations and feelings poured into Amory's lungs like thick smoke as the contents of the chest spewed heavy magic into the air around them. His eyes teared up from the overwhelming onslaught of near-tangible emotions as his mind attempted to sift sanely through the tendrils of feelings assaulting his mental capacity. When his knees began to weaken along with his hold upon Fryn, the warmth emanating from the jar erupted into his joints and nerves, giving him the strength and clarity needed to overcome the confusion. Draw one of the cards, Amory, Fryn commanded. Amory stepped in augmented confidence towards the cards and plucked one of the charmers from the rearmost of the two rows held within the chest. Upon the surface of the card was a mask of bright colors. The nose of the mask extended out and curled slightly upwards along with the mouth in a wicked smile. In a portrayal of innocence, the eyebrows stretched in large arcs above the eyes. Needles pierced Amory's fingers where he held the card, and in a show of the charmer's prevalent sorcery, the mask, not physically but magically, started to slide up his arm towards his face, growing larger as it ascended. The boy could not see it, but he felt its edges drag along his skin in its effort to find a home of dominance upon his visage. A surge of guile and deceit preceded the mask's journey to his face. Line became an act of freedom, and suspense and trickery became the path of success. A wicked desire to mischievously plunge the charmers into those around him became more than just an idea growing in Amory's mind. He laughed briefly at the thought of carrying out this action. In a blip of his own identity, before the mask could consummate its trek, the boy placed the card back into its row among the other charmers. The invisible mask dissipated before it reached Amory's shoulders. The encroaching emotion vanished as well. Excellent work, my friend, Fryn said to the farm after the jar Simjilub itself had tasted the quality of the cards through Amory's experience. I will pay you well for such powerful items, but before the price is rested in stillness, I must request one more piece of your craftsmanship. Yes, please, yes, do tell me what you would like. The farm nodded slightly and welcomed the request with an open hand. We must also have use of a searcher's stone. Done, yes, it will be yours. It will be brought to you upon your exit. Yes, upon your awaited departure, if the price is right. Now, what is the fee you offer? Janimer ended her question with a touch of severity Amory did not expect. Although Fryn was an acquaintance, this farm was not about to endure any further impediment in the closing of the deal. Business was business. I shall give you this festinger in full, body and spirit, Fryn declared. Amory immediately looked back at Akliban, who had begun to tremble under the battle he fought over his will. Please, let this not be a permissible trade, begged the festinger, his head hanging humbly downward in submission. If you truly see my worth, then I ask that I may prove it by my actions. Although Akliban pleaded for his life in the fullest incarnation of despair, his voice still held a harmony and beauty that could not be ignored. It was once this being that had attempted to steal Amri's life, and now his was being bartered away. Emery could not help but feel empathy towards the creature. Accepted, said Janimer. Wonderful, cried the jar ecstatically. Amory, take a charmer and release it into the festinger. The boy stood in awe as he heard the words requested of him. 
He had not yet fully come to terms with what being a collector would entail. Now he, upon following through with the command, would be a part of this malevolent exchange and, beyond that, an even greater, more sinister agenda. He finally sensed the true quandary of his situation in full, diabolical force. This was what it would be like to be a collector of spirits. This was where it would begin, peril, corruption, and ultimately, murder. It was too much to ask of an ordinary child, but it was not too much to ask of a susceptible, imaginative boy who had seduced himself into an invincible longing for adventure, adventure that had actually become accessible through the intrigue of the Apocryphalum. A deeper understanding of what lurked in Amory's hand in the form of a small, celadin jar also uncovered itself. Intentions were not as they seemed, but Amory was still no more than a child confused by the pull of the grandest of dreams, dreams that had now placed him under the influence of powerful entities, and dreams that would reap his dedicated cooperation. Behind the boy, Akliban continued to plea under the suppression of Friend's hold over him. The Fessinger was bursting within, while outwardly revealing his turmoil only an uncontrollable quivering, unable to release his true emotions because his will was not his own. He tried to speak again, but not even that was allowed by the sigillum jar. Under thickening duress, Amory turned his attention to the chest of charmers. He pried a card from one of the rows. The charmer held the blackest of thorns, sharp, charcoal-like daggers on a brittle, crackling ground. The thorns stretched forcefully throughout the charmer's window of imagery, stalking the land as a horrendous gale would shake the sky. A tiny, almost hidden bird hobbled amongst the thorns. It was battered and crippled with nothing left in its wings for flight. It had only but the choice to lie down and die. Fear then overtook Amory, the disheartening, destroying kind of fear. It did not come in a steady rush or an alarming ascent. It threw itself upon him in chaotic instantaneousness, firing its noxious caress across his limbs and insides. Amory felt the thorns inside him, lashing upon his heart in an effort to make its cadence cease. His blood seeped through him like molasses, and his face froze like that of a cadaver's in a tomb. He relaxed his hold on the charmer, but it did not fall from his hand. Release it into the Festinger, cried Fryn, feeling for itself the unbearable dread. In this moment, there was nothing Amory desired more than to rid himself of the card's witchery, even if that meant plunging it into Akliban. There was no longer an air of hesitation, there was clarity of action. Hastily, Amory staggered towards the Festinger and brought the charmer down upon the creature's elaborate robe. The card slid from his grip and continued on its fateful path with a propulsion of its own. It slipped past garment and it slipped past flesh, tiny black sparks that vanished as soon as they had come to exist, twinkled as the card entered the Fessinger. No hole or opening remained, nothing was left of the card's essence. No evidence could be found anywhere that would reveal or tell of what had happened. Akliban, Cheklar, Oxtikslok, then screamed an impious howl of terror. What was but an illustration to Amory in holding the charmer became life to the Fessinger in full, hope-pillaging actualization. The emotion of the charmer was now its real experience. The Fessinger fell to the ground, writhing in the agony of its new being. Almost immediately thereafter, its blue and white spirit was relinquished by its body. The spirit fluttered carelessly about without direction or purpose until Janimer summoned it into a flask. 
a manipulated item from the same strange object that she had previously turned into a key. The spiritless Fessinger continued to fester on the ground in convulsions. The chasm of emptiness within Amory swelled with expansion, sucking more of his vitality into the oblivion of an unknown darkness. Exhaustion began to overtake his body in repercussion for what he had done, but Friend fiercely stretched throughout him with its infectious warmth, ameliorating the condition. A price well put, yes appointed, said the farm. It is not so often that the collector's spirit is collected, yes reaped. Such value, yes worth cannot be named. Astrin, store away the Festinger's body, yes I will use it later for an experiment. At once, the large sibjulum gathered with ease the fessinger's overwhelmed flesh and bounded out of sight into the depth of the farm's lair.